Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. I've been in anticipation of hitting this last one, this tall white one that hasn't burned yet. But again, the smallest one, we began the first week, and that candle represented hope. Mount Hope. We are the hope. Good try, though. Second one is love. Third one, the pink one, is joy. And then the fourth one, which we did last night, if you were here, is peace. peace. Amen. And, of course, today, on Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. So I'm going to go ahead and light all of these. Because I was banned from lighting them after my... You weren't banned. <laughs> I about set the thing on fire a few we, weeks We were ago. just afraid that our insurance would go up if we... <laughs> continue to allow you to burn. Let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you again for sending your son Jesus, Lord, to purchase our salvation with his, with his life. Lord, we are so blessed today, and, and as a body of believers, as a family of Christ, Lord, we just want you to know how much we love you. And we thank you again for everything that you've done for each individual in this room. There isn't a person here that you haven't done something yes. for. And for many of us, you've done many things. But the most important is that you've given us life and life everlasting. And we grab hold of that today. We thank you for it. And if there's anybody here today that hasn't already accepted that free gift, let this be the day of their salvation, Lord. We love you and we commit this short hour into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I'm glad you came out. I'm Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you haven't met me yet, this is my beautiful wife, Pastor Barb. And she <laughs> is going to tell a story today. But I need some children to come up and take the hot seat. The hot so seat. If you kids want to come up, child, we want to tell and, you a story. And by the way... Uh -oh. As a token of our appreciation at the end, you might get one of these, Ooh. or two, or three, depending on how many we have. And it looks like we have Look quite a few. There. We can Hi grab guys. a couple more chairs if we need to. Just go ahead Come and Come on up. It doesn't right matter there. what age. Woohoo! Any more? Any other victims? I mean volunteers? All right. I think we're good. That worked out well. So you take it away, Pastor Barb. Okay. Sounds oh, good. wait a minute. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I was supposed to ask you something. Are you going to start already? <laughs> we haven't even begun, and you're already trying to take the show. Okay, go ahead. What? Are we going to talk about the nativity? <sighs> Maybe. Do we have to talk about that? Come on, it's Christmas. <laughs> How many of you got presents? Oh, look at all the hands. All of your hands went up. Okay, tell me. I, sh I should light this mic up here. So everybody can hear him, although we, we can hear you fine. You, you, probably, you probably don't need the mic, but how much do you think your present cost? Anybody? How much? Oh, you know. All right, how much? About probably $45. That's it? Not a thousand? How about yours? Do you know? A thousand. A thousand. That sounds like a good round number, doesn't it? Probably for my Pokemon cards. 50. 50 bucks, and, and they'll probably go up in value someday, right? A hundred. A hundred dollars? Did you, anybody get a pony? 
A car? But you got a pony? What color is your pony? Is it a color? Purple. A purple, purple pony? pony? Oh, I, I want like a purple that. pony. A purple pony. That's pretty cool. What'd you name your pony? Purple? Hmm. You don't know, do you? I think that it, that it was all, I think it was all, uh, all the presents was worth probably Three million seventy-two dollars. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys must be pretty special. I got a race car. You got a race car. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Well, how many of you spend time with family on Christmas? All of you do, right? Is that's what Christmas is about? Is it about anything else? Oh yeah. Okay. Creativity. <laughs> Good timing. That is exactly right. It is about the nativity. And what is the nativity? Spending time with the Lord. Okay, very good. It's also about birth, uh, the Lord's birthday. Excellent. Right. It is. It's very the Lord's good. birthday. Today we celebrate his being born just like it looks like in that manger. And I know Pastor Barb is going to tell a story today that's going to go way back to the old days, to the 1800s. When they didn't have cars yet, they still used horses and sleighs, and they used wood to... Yeah, they had donkeys <laughs> and cows and dogs and all that other stuff, but they didn't have automobiles, they didn't have electricity, so they had to burn with wood or coal, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, and you're going to tell them what Christmas is really all about, aren't you? I think so. So I'll let you take it away now. Okay. Well, like Pastor Norm said, the story is from the 1800s. That's a long time ago, isn't it? And the name of the story is A Christmas Story from the 1800s. Pa never had much compassion for the lazy or those who squandered their means and then never had enough for the necessities. But for those who were genuinely in need, his heart was as big as all outdoors. It was from him that I learned the greatest joy in life comes from giving, not receiving. It was Christmas Eve in 1881. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just hadn't been enough money to buy me the rifle that I'd wanted so bad that year for Christmas. We did the chores early that night for some reason. I just figured Pa wanted a little extra time so we could read in the Bible. So after supper, I was over. I took my boots off and stretched out in front of the fireplace and waited for Pa to get down the old Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much mood for reading scriptures. But Pa didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up and went outside. I couldn't figure it out because we'd already done all the chores. I didn't worry about it long enough. I was too busy wallowing in self-pity. Soon, Pa came back in, and it was cold, clear night out, and there was ice on his beard. Come on, Matt, he said. Bundle up good. It's cold out tonight. I was really upset then. Not only wasn't I getting the rifle for Christmas, now Pa was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We'd already done all the chores 
and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially not on a night like this. But I knew Pa was not very patient at one dragging one's feet when he told them to do something. So I got up, put my boots back on, got my cap, coat, and mittens. Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the house. Something was up, but I didn't know what. Outside even came more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team already hitched to the big sled. Whatever it was, was we were going to do wasn't going to be a short, quick little job. I could tell. We never hitched up the big sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Pa was already up on the seat, reins in hand. I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting at me. I wasn't happy. When I was on, Pa pulled the sled around the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off and I followed. I think we'll put on the high sideboards, he said. Here, help me. The high sideboards? It's a bigger job than I wanted to do with just the low sideboards on. But whatever it was we were going to do would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards on. When we had exchanged the sideboards, Pa went into the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood. The wood I'd spent all summer hauling down from the mountain and then all fall sawing into blocks and splitting. What was he doing? Finally, I said something. Paul, I asked, what are you doing? You been by Widow Jensen's lately, he asked. The Widow Jensen lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year ago and left her with three children, the oldest being eight. Sure, I'd been by, but so what? Yeah, I said, why? I rode by just today, Pa said. Little Jakey was out digging around in the wood pile trying to find a few chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That was all he said. And then he turned and went back into the woodshed for another armload of wood. I followed him. We loaded the sled so high that I began to wonder, wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Pa called a halt to our loading. Then he went into the smokehouse and Pa took out a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in the sled and wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his left hand. What's in the little sack, I asked. Shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey just had gunny sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the woodpile this morning. I got the children a little candy, too. Just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. We rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Pa was doing. We didn't have much by worldly standards. Of course we did have a big wood pile, though most of what was left now still in the form of logs that I would have to saw into blocks and split before we could use it. We also had meat and flour, so we could spare that. But I knew we didn't have any money, so why was Pa spending money on shoes and candy? Really, why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than us. It shouldn't have been our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house and unloaded, unloaded the wood as quietly as possible. Then we took the meat and flour and shoes to the door, and we knocked. 
the door opened a crack and a timid boy said, who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son Matt. Could we come in for a bit? Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another and were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled with the match and finally lit the lamp. We brought you a few things, ma'am, Pa said, and set down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table, and then Pa handed the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children. Sturdy shoes, the best shoes that would last. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling, and then tears filled her eyes and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at Pa like she wanted to say something, but it wouldn't come out. We brought a load of wood too, ma'am, Pa said. Then he turned to me and said, Matt, go bring in enough to last for a while. Let's get that fire up to size and heat this place up. I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring in the wood. I had a big lump in my throat, and much as I hate to admit it, there were tears in my eyes too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down their cheeks. So much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled within me and a joy filled my soul that I'd never known before. I'd given it Christmas many times before, but never when it had made such a difference. I could see we were literally saving the lives of these people. I soon had the fire blazing and everyone's spirits soared. The kids started giggling when Pa handed them each a piece of candy. And Widow Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face in a long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord himself has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his angels to spare us. In spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and the tears welled up in my eyes again. I had never thought upon those exact terms before, but after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see that it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than Pa had never walked the earth. I started remembering all the times he had gone out of his way for Ma and me and many others. The list seemed endless as I thought of it. Pa insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they all fit, and I wondered how he had known what size to get. Then I guessed that if he was on an errand for the Lord, that the Lord would make sure he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave, and Pa took each of the kids in his big arms and gave them a hug. They clung to him and didn't want us to go. I could see they missed their Pa, and I was glad I still had mine. At the, at the door, Pa turned to Widow Jensen and said, The missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than a, the three of us can eat, and a man can get cantankerous if he's had too much turkey for too many meals. We'll be by to get you at 11. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again. Matt here hasn't been little for quite a spell. I was the youngest. 
My two older brothers and two sisters were all married and had moved away. Widow Jensen nodded and said, Thank you, Brother Miles. I don't have to say, may the Lord bless you. I know for certain he will. Out on the sled, I felt a warmth that came from deep within me, and I didn't even notice the cold. When we had gone a ways, Pa turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. Your ma and me had been tucking a little money away here and there all year so we could get you that rifle for you. But we didn't have quite enough. Then yesterday, a man owed me a little money from years back, come to make things square. Your ma and were real excited, thinking now we could get you that rifle. And I started into town this morning to do just that. But when I was on the way, I saw little Jakey out scratching in the woodpile with his feet wrapped within those gunny sacks. And I knew what I had to do. So son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for these children. I hope you understand. Oh, I understood. And my eyes became wet with tears again. <laughs> I understood very well. And I was so glad Pa had done it. Just then, the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. <coughs> pa had given me a lot more. He would given me the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of the three kids. For the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensens or I split a block of wood, I remembered. And remembering brought back that same joy I felt riding home beside Pa that night. Pa had given me much more than a rifle that night. He had given me the best Christmas of my life. The end. Yeah, that'd be a lot of money, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any questions for him? So what, after listening to this story, what does Christmas, what can you do at Christmas time? Instead of receiving, you can give. <gasps> Isn't wow, that wonderful? Wow, a sharp guy over here. Anybody else? Try, uh, try, uh, try to get a lot of body for so you can buy presents for other people there you go that's a good thought and you know what i loved about this story is that the widow looked at the the man the dad and his son and she said you guys are both angels from the lord how awesome is that to be called an angel of the lord have any of you ever been called a little angel <laughs> <laughs> probably not huh <laughs> or maybe you have i don't know okay one more here and then we're gonna move on uh, giving money to other people. That's good. You like giving money away. That's awesome. All right. Who would like one of these or two of these or maybe three? All right. Here. Let's do this. I'll start here. One. Oh, wait a minute. That's a, that's a flawed one. I'll try to give you ones. Some of these are broken. I don't know why. They're still good, though. I'll give you some unbroken ones, too. These are blueberries. I know it. it. Go with the flow here. 
They won't all be broken. And here, we'll start with this one. What's this kind? That's peppermint? Who likes peppermint? I do. You guys are getting loaded up. Now, you have to ask your parents if you can have this. And they'll probably have to open it for you. What are these? These are raspberries. They aren't raspberries. They're raspberry flavored. They're actually candy canes. You'd figured it out, though. All right, and I think this is going to be about it. I think that's all the flavors, right? Yep. Okay. Well, you guys, thanks for coming up and joining us up here, listening to the awesome story. And we want to just give you a hand as you go back and sit with your parents. All right. Merry Christmas. Yay. I want to tell the story, too. Before I do, though, I wanted to start with the beginning of John Verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Who is the word? Jesus. Jesus Christ. The word became human and made his home among us. And as we look at this manger, Jesus spent about 33 years on this planet. He began in something like that and he ended on something like that on the wall. He didn't have a long life, but that life meant the world to all of us, didn't it? How many of you want more of Jesus this holiday season, this Christmas? I want to share something that I feel the Lord has recently put on my heart. It has to do with the question that I think most of us ask at some time or another. Where is Jesus in my life? Where is Jesus in my life? Like the angels that led the shepherds to the baby Jesus who had recently been born in that stable. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you if you're seeking him. Amen? But don't miss out by looking for Jesus in places that might not seem so obvious. Just as most of the people around the time of Jesus expected a king who'd come in with a big army, but rather... God had something else in mind. He placed the little infant in the little town of Bethlehem in a manger. The Savior of the world didn't come riding on a big pony. He came as a baby. A baby, for crying out loud. I'd like to tell this story related by Melvin Newland, and it's called The Cobbler. You may or may not have heard of it before, but I believe that it really does have an influence on today. There was an old shoe cobbler who dreamed one Christmas Eve that Jesus would come to visit him the next day. The dream was so real that he was convinced that it would come true. Have any of you ever had a dream? Did it seem like it was going to come true? The next morning he got up and he went out and he cut green bows and decorated his little cobbler shop and he got it all ready for Jesus to come and visit. He was so sure that Jesus was going to come that he just sat there and he waited for him. The hours passed and Jesus didn't come. But an old man came. He came inside for a moment to get warm out of the cold winter night. As the cobbler talked with him, he noticed the holes in the old man's shoes. So he reached up on the shelf, he got him a new pair of shoes, and he made sure that they fit along with socks that were dry. And then he sent him on his way. Still he waited. 
But Jesus didn't come. An old woman came, a woman who hadn't had a decent meal in two days. They sat and they visited for a while, and then he prepared some food for her to eat. He gave her a nourishing meal, and then he sent her on her way. Then he sat down and he waited again for Jesus to come. But Jesus still didn't come. Then he heard a little boy crying out in front of his shop. He went out and he talked with the little boy, and he discovered that the boy had been separated from his parents, and he didn't know how to get home. So the cobbler put on his coat, and he took the boy by the hand, and he led him home. When he came back to his little shop, it was almost dark, and the streets were emptied of people. And then in a moment of despair, he lifted his voice and he said, O Lord Jesus, why didn't you come? And then in a moment of silence, he seemed to hear a voice saying, O shoe cobbler, lift up your heart. I kept my word. Three times I knocked at your friendly door. Three times my shadow fell across your floor. I was the man with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. I was the boy on the homeless street. Jesus had come. The cobbler just hadn't realized it. Back to the original question, where is Jesus in your life? Most often we think of Jesus as the one who's always giving. He gave us life and life in abundance after all. How many got up this morning and asked, Lord, what can I do for you today? Anybody? Two hands, three hands, four hands, five. God bless you. Some of you did. But most of us, we were too busy, wrapped up in our own little worlds, in our own lives, dealing with the stress and the, and the fun at the same time. I remember our boys getting up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning and Dad, Dad, get up. Time to open presents. Dad, Dad. I'm like, go back to sleep. I haven't had my coffee yet. And you know how I am without coffee. It wasn't different back then either. My point is, it's human nature not to even think about the Lord. So I'm proud of those of you who actually said, yes, I did ask him, what could I do for him today? Here's the thing I want you to get this morning. Here's the key to this whole message of where is Jesus in my life. Like the cobbler, Jesus often moves through other people. Like the cobbler, he often does things through other people. He uses the homeless person on the corner or the person who's run out of gas on the highway. He uses the old man who's having trouble getting through the door without any assistance. And he uses that cashier who's having a bad day. He may use the person that needs a ride to church every Sunday or the person that you work with who always seems to rub you the wrong way. But God uses those kinds of people, believe it or not, to show himself, to reveal himself to us. Now this is kind of funny, but I found that the Lord seldom puts these people in front of us when it's convenient. Nay, that's an old term for no. It's always inconvenient. And that is when the real you has to come out and realize that the Lord is trying to bless you as you bless someone else. What I'm talking about is a gift from God. 
a package that's often wrapped in ways that we would least expect it. Now, most of us, if we were to come up here today and we were to see these two gifts, this very pretty one and then, and then this, it just says, to you. <laughs> now, which one, come on, be honest, which one would you want it? You'd go for this, because it's nicely wrapped. It's pretty, it's big. Oh, there's got to be something great in that gift, right? And you just want to rip the paper off and see what it is. Whereas this one's just blah. This one's just uh, it's crumpled, wrinkled. Penmanship's not that great. This one, oh, it's fancy. Oh, by the way, this belongs to you guys. I just happened to grab it. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Barbara and Ken. But this one, no. This one, the little one, the one that's least expected, is the one that has this gift. And that's what I want you to see today. It's not the most beautiful package. It's usually the one that doesn't look fancy at all. Something even that looks even like it's been thrown together. I wanted to share quickly from Matthew chapter 25. And this might seem like a, a strange place to go on Christmas. But I really felt like the Lord instructed me to do this. This is the story of the sheep and goats, if you want to turn there. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, verse 31, and all of the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So part of the people are sheep, part of the people are goats. I don't know what kind of noise a goat makes, but I know what kind of noise a sheep makes. <laughs> anyway. That's a goat. Can you make a sheep noise? Bah. Okay. <laughs> is it goat? Bah. Is a sheep. How's that? All right. Pam's helping me out here. All right. Now, he's going to place the sheep at his right hand. Get this part. The sheep are going to be at his right hand, the goats at his left. Where's Jesus in heaven? Seated at the right hand. The right hand is the prominent place. That's where you want to be. That's the place of power, authority. That's where the sheep are going to be. The goats are on the left side. Not very important. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, listen to this, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now, the rest of this passage talks about the goats. 
And not very good things happened with them. So you can go on and read that later part of this chapter on your own. I'm not going to go there today. What I want you to see is that you have to decide whether you're going to be a sheep or a goat. The next several verses, as I said, talks about judgment for the goats. What happened to the sheep? They were all rewarded. Why? Because they gave of themselves. They were the gift to the people around them. I want you to see that God wants to bless you with a special gift that will surely bring a blessing into your life if you'll allow it to. He wants you to have a memorable Christmas, but he also wants you to have a memorable life, and that comes when you're led by the Holy Spirit and where you allow him to use you as a vessel unto his glory. Years ago, when we lived in Lakeland, Florida, and we had gone there to, I went there to finish my degree, and uh, we ended up getting involved in a, a little church called New Life Assembly in Lakeland, Florida, and it was on the main highway leaving town, and one day this man walked into the church, and he was scruffy, and you know, he, you could tell that he didn't have a lot, and he asked the pastor, he said, do you have anything for me to eat? I'm hungry. And the pastor looked at me and he said, hey, go get him uh, one, one of the bags that we have, you know, when people come and ask for food. So we had this bag already set up. It had all kinds of things in it, paper towels, you know, uh, things you could cook on the stove, mac and cheese and things like that. But I knew that this man needed more than just a bag of groceries that he'd have to cook on the stove. He needed a meal and I could tell that he needed more than that. And he began to tell me his story. He said, look, I, I started out this morning. I drove four hours this far, and I didn't realize, but I'm, I'm out of gas, and I have no money. I'm trying to get to Georgia. I'm trying to get back home. And he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the man happened to be, and, and I thought of uh, Tony. He, he reminded me of you, not, not now, but, you know, he looked a little bit like you. And uh, I actually had your picture in my, in my mind when I, thought of this guy this morning so but don't take the other part wrong he was really smelly <laughs> Tony doesn't smell all right Tony always smells good uh, however this guy did smell and you could tell with his clothes that they also needed to be washed and I'm one of those guys that I have this gag reflex if I get around the wrong odors and they're really strong I, I start and, and I, that's what happened with this guy. I'm like, no, Lord, you got to help me. Well, here's what we did. I asked the guy, I said, hey, would you like to come and spend the night at our house? We can feed you, and, and we'll go from there. I, I told him I'd give him some gas money in the morning. He says, you know what, that would be great. I said, all right, come on over. So he, he went to my house. I drove him. He left his truck at the church. And uh, when we got to the house, and I had four boys, the oldest was probably 12, youngest was six-ish, somewhere in there, and uh, this man came in our house, and all the boys were like, you know, it, it was pretty bad. So the first thing I did, the, 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 I just looked at the guy, and I said, look, brother, I said, I'm not trying to, be, to offend you, but I said, you got to take a shower, man. I said, we got soap, we've got shampoo. And we'll let you go in our shower and do that. And I, I got a robe out, and I said, you give me those clothes when you're, when you're in there, and we'll wash them. And Barb was grateful to do that. 
After he came out, it was a whole different story, and we got to sit down with him. We had dinner with him, and we just talked about life and how God was moving and so on and so forth. And the next morning, we all got up, and by the way, I told my boys, lock your doors, because he was on the couch. We locked our bedroom door, because I didn't know this guy, you know, but you got to be safe, too. But I, I just felt like the Lord had put this man in our path so that we could be a blessing to him. And I want to tell you something straight up. He blessed us more than we blessed him. When he left that next morning, we felt like brand new people, like God used us. And I took him up to his truck, and we we went into the gas station. I filled his tank up, prayed a little prayer with him, and sent him on his way. I believe that's how all of us should respond. Whether it's somebody that you don't know or somebody that you do, you need to be looking for opportunities to be a blessing to others. And I'll tell you that my boys learned a lot from that situation too. They learned how to be a giver, not just a taker. And I know they practice that still today. There's something about being a giver rather than a receiver of good things. Amen? So I believe that we're more blessed by the experience of helping someone than they are by our blessing. Here's the key. Jesus uses us to bless people just like that man in Florida. And he uses people just like that man in Florida to bless us, to show us what Jesus really looks like. Don't miss Jesus simply because the package is different than expected. Be led by his spirit, and he'll show up when you least expect him. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.